This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Hallelujah. That is my heart's desire. That as long as I live, my life will praise Him. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Good afternoon, neighbor. Good afternoon, neighbor. We thank God that we can be together to worship a God who is worthy of all our worship. Our God does not demand worship, but our God deserves worship. God continues to be good. Come on, say amen. Your presence here is a clear indication of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Even when I have not been faithful, God has been faithful. Let me assure you, those who are members and those who are guests, that as you come to worship, God has blessings in store as we have gathered in his name to worship him. Today, no doubt you've heard, and some of you have gone by there, we're having our ministry fear. And if I may paraphrase one of the statements of our mission council chairs, that the purpose of our ministry fair is not just to connect you to the varied ministries, but we're seeking to introduce you to the entire leadership and ministry structure of our church. We're seeking to do this in a very personal and hopefully memorable way as we're seeking to create and maintain an, an inclusive environment, one that fosters long-term relationships for discipleship. You see, neighbor, we want you to feel as you go by the ministry fair, as you interact with the various leaders and ministries, we want you to feel that you are indeed a stakeholder here at Plantation, not just some temporary recruit as a program volunteer. We want you to get involved. We believe that, that God has called you to him, that Jesus has called you to himself, not just to attend church. We want to help you to recognize your calling in Jesus. And so we invite you after service to go by the ministry fair and check it out. As we continue to worship God, we do so with a study of his word and we'll do so with the caption chosen to serve. Chosen to serve. Our focus text, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. The new King James Version's rendition of Scripture says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, 
who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is the word of God, neighbor, and I believe it. Let's pray together, Father, as we continue in worship with the study of your word. I pray that you will remove every distraction, you will arrest our attention, that you will speak to our hearts and to our heads, that you will speak to me and through me in spite of me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Peter says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, neighbor, before we delve, before we dive into these verses, let me state from the onset that every person who comes to Jesus receives three calls. How many calls? How many calls? How many calls? Receives three calls. First, there is the universal call. What type of call? The universal call. It is the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him call. It is the whosoever believes in him call that is the universal call. Next, there is the individual call. What type of call? The individual call. It is the as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called the sons and daughters of God call. The individual call, it is for many are called, few are chosen call. I want you to note, neighbor, that the chosen, the chosen are those who have responded in the affirmative to the universal call. Let me say it again, that the chosen are those who have responded in the affirmative those who have said yes to the universal call. Those who have accepted the offer of salvation. Here is a universal and timeless maxim. Here is a quote I want to share with you. And if you repeat this, please give me credit for it because it is my quote. God cannot save you without you. Let me say it again, that God cannot save you without you. God will never force himself on you. God offers salvation. God makes the call, but you and I, we have to accept or respond to the call. And so we have the universal call, then the, the individual call, and finally, there is the call to service. The call to what? The call to what? The call to service. The call to service. It is the whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here I am, send me call. 
And here is my contention today in the message. It is this. There are too many believers who have only accepted the first two calls and have yet to accept the third call. Let me say it again. There are too many believers, too many folks in the body of Christ who have accepted the first two calls and have yet to accept the third call and have yet to accept the call to service. The call to serve God and His cause in the earth. And neighbor, inherent in our focus passage for today is the third call, is the call to service. Peter says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Note, he says, but once you are not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. No doubt you would observe that the verse, verse 9, that Peter be begins the verse with the conjunction, but. What's that word? What's that word? But. He begins verse 9 with the word but. And as such, it's an indication, neighbor, that that which came before the but is in contrast to that which comes after the but. Let me say it again because your wife may remind you on the way home. It is an indication that that which comes before the but, that that which came before the but, is in contrast to that which comes after the but in the verse, verse 9. I've come to appreciate that all times in life, New information becomes relatable and understandable when it builds upon known information or it, stands, it's, it, or it stands rather in contrast to known information. So Peter says, but you are a chosen generation. He argues that in verses 4 and 5, he argues that coming to him, verses 4 and 5, Coming to him, that is Jesus, as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones, notice, are being built up a what? A spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable God through whom? Through Jesus Christ. Note that Peter in verses 4 and 5 of the, of the verse, of the, of the chapter, note that, that he regards every believer as living stones. As what? As what? As living stones. And he says that we have been built, we have been built up, or we have been built up a spiritual house. We are living stones, neighbor, because we've accepted Jesus, who is the living stone. We are living stones, neighbor, because we are connected to Jesus. And this vital connection makes us living stones. As such, as such, he is saying, watch this, that God has a place for every believer to fit in his cause. Did you get that? That God has a place for every believer to fit in his cause, to fit in his kingdom. 
The kingdom of God, we're building up the kingdom of God as a spiritual house, Peter says, and every person has a fit. Every person has a fit. But don't get it twisted. It is not the pastor, it is not the elders, it is not the church board, it is not you or me who decides where we fit. Peter says it is Jesus as the master builder who makes the determination. Every child of God has a purpose, or every child of God, every person who accepts the call to become a believer. Peter says you are a living stone, and there is a fit for you in the body. There's a fit for you, rather, in the spiritual house. There's a fit for you in the cause of Christ. And part of what we're seeking to do with our ministry fair is to help you to discover your fit. It's to help you discover where God wants you to be fitted or where God wants to fit you in his cause and fit you as we seek to expand the kingdom here in the, in the city of plantation. And so Peter goes on in, in, in verse 6 to 8 to reference Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16 to make the argument that the scriptures, watch this, identified Jesus as the stone which the builders rejected. Jesus, the stone which the builders rejected, who Peter says has become the chief cornerstone. And neighbor, I have lived long enough to see this play, play out over and over and over again in varied, con- in varied situations where individuals who were given upon, where individuals who were rejected, that they, 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 they now, they, 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 they've risen to prominence. Folks who wrote them off and folks who rejected them now, that they've, they've risen to prominence. Now everybody is accepting them. And it's one of the reasons I have, I have, I have determined in life not to write anybody off. Because sometimes the very person that you write off, the very person that you've rejected, that person turns around to be your boss. Hello? Peter says Jesus was a stone that the builders rejected. That Jesus was a stone who became the chief cornerstone. And though there are those who are disobedient to the word, and though there are those who are offended by him, who stumble at his word, Peter says, in contrast, there are those who believe in Jesus and those who have accepted him and those who have found him to be precious. So while there are those who have rejected him, there are those, in contrast, he says, who have, who have accepted him. And hence, he begins, verse 9, by saying, but you are a chosen generation. Others have rejected him, but you have accepted him. Others have stumbled at his word and, and become disobedient, but you have been obedient to his word and accepted him. And as such, Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people. Why have you been chosen? Peter says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Truth be told, Peter says there was a time when you were not a people. But now because of Jesus, you are the people of God. 
There was a time when you did not experience the mercies of God, but because of Jesus, you now have attained or experienced the mercies of God. You are chosen because you have accepted Him. And the word that he uses in the original for chosen is a derivative of the word ecclesia, from which we, we use, we get the word church, but it really refers to the chosen. And follow me carefully. The idea of, of, of ecclesia being a building or four walls was foreign to the first century Christians. For them, the ecclesia were the called out ones, those who came out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus, those who came together to worship him and to praise him. The idea that church was a building was foreign to the Christians back then. We make the mistake today to believe and to, to reduce the church to four walls. We make the mistake to believe that church is about the equipment we have and the choir we have and the, the accoutrements that we have to do ministry. No, church is about the fellowship of believers coming together to praise God and to advance His kingdom. And so it is not too crucial as to the building and the, the accoutrements and the equipment as it is when our hearts are, are united to the cause to expand the kingdom. But notice, Peter here says that the chosen are now both Jews and Gentiles. You see, the Jewish believers, they understood the concept of being chosen. All their lives, they were told that God chose them as a special people. While the Gentiles, in contrast, the Gentiles heard at least from the Jews that they were not accepted, that they were outcast, that they were lost, and that they as Jews had a special relationship with God because of Abraham. But now Peter says that by accepting Jesus, whether Jew or Gentile, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, his own special people. Now, when you look at the Old Testament model of leadership, you'll find kings and, and priests and, and judges and, and prophets, but rarely you'll find that an individual would, 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 would assume uh, more than one of these roles. The only exception uh, uh, that comes to mind is Melchizedek, who was a, a priest king, but one was either a priest or a king. One was either a prophet or, or a judge, but, but, but never uh, you have in, in Scripture someone inhabiting uh, more than one roles. But here, Peter says, those who have been chosen by Jesus by accepting him he says that we are a royal priesthood. Means that you and I, because of Jesus, we are royalty. There is something special about someone who has accepted Jesus. 
And now there are certain, uh, there are certain responsibilities uh, for royalty for those of us and those of you rather who have been, I occasionally look at it following the happenings of the House of Windsor will know that uh, recently uh, King Charles uh, divested some of the royal uh, folks of their responsibilities and titles. And their, and their perks. And he argued, well, they're, they're not performing royal duties, hence they should not uh, get the title and, 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 and all the, the stuff that comes along with it. The fact is, because of Jesus, you and I, Peter says, we are a royal priesthood. In other words, we are not just common folks. When you accept Jesus, there is a specialness about it. And if that's not a shot to your self-esteem, I don't know what is. He says you're a holy nation set apart for holy use. He says you are God's own special people. And the King James Version uses a word that I enjoy, a word that I love. It uses the word peculiar. That because of Jesus and through Christ, you and I, we are peculiar. In a world and age where everybody's trying to be like everybody and everybody's trying to fit in, the child of Jesus, the child of God rather, needs to acknowledge and to, to appreciate that you are peculiar. It means that you are special to him. It means, as the writer of this week's lesson says, that when God made you and called you, he threw away the mold. And that you and I must celebrate our peculiarity. We must celebrate our uniqueness. You see, neighbor, I don't need likes on social media to, to have, to have somebody-ness. I am special because I've accepted Jesus. And so as I navigate life and move through life, I can move through life with my head held straight because I know I'm a child of God. I'm not better than everybody else, but I'm certainly not worse than everybody else. And I am peculiar. And that peculiarity, that specialness translates in everything I do as I navigate life. That peculiarity is even reflected in my shopping cart as I move through the aisles in Walmart. And the stuff that I take off the shelf, there is something different and special about what's in my grocery cart. I can't just pull any and everything off the shelf because what I put in my body is peculiar. My diet is peculiar. My dress is peculiar because I am a special child of God. There must be some difference. The child of God, watch this, is called to be different, but not indifferent. Let me say it again. The child of God is called to be different, but not indifferent. You see, indifferent says, I'm better than you. Indifferent says, I dismiss you. But being different says, I celebrate my uniqueness in Jesus. We've been called, Peter says, God's special people. But why have you and I been chosen? He says it. We've been chosen, he says, that we may proclaim the praises of him 
who called us out of darkness. The praises of him who called us out of the darkness of ignorance. Who called us out of the darkness of sin. Who called us out of the darkness of despair. Who called us out of the darkness of doubt. And has called us, Peter says, into his marvelous light to proclaim his praises. Now, how do we proclaim his praises? How do we do it? Here it is. We proclaim his praises by serving him. We proclaim his praises by serving him. We serve him by serving his cause. We serve his cause by serving others. We proclaim his praises by serving him. We serve him by serving his cause. We serve his cause by serving others. Wash, repeat, rinse. We proclaim his praises by serving him. We serve him by serving his cause. We serve his cause by serving others. You see, neighbor, when we come to Jesus, we have been chosen. We've been chosen to show forth his praises. And the way we do that is by serving him. And the way we serve him is by serving his cause. And the way we serve his cause is by being in ministry, by serving others. You see, the child of God understands and appreciates that as he navigates life, as she moves through life, that life is about service to others. Peter reminds us that we were once not a people, but because of Jesus, we are now the people of God. And because of that, you and I have been called to serve. I close with this. The late evangelist Billy Graham once observed that in Scripture, God always calls a person who is busy. But when you look in Scripture, he says that God always called a person who was busy. There's not a single instance, Billy Graham says, where God calls a person who is not engaged in activity. There's some folks who say, well, I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. You're the person God is looking for. You're the person that God wants to use for his service. God wants you to, to appreciate that amidst all the stuff you're doing, he wants you to show forth his praises. God wants you to find truer meaning in activity. That whatever the activity is, that, it, that God wants to engage you for his purpose. The psalmist says in Psalm 116, verse 12 through the 14, and the context is one in which God had rescued him. 
God had saved him from certain death. And as he responds to this reality, he responds this way. And I like the King James Version's rendition of Psalm 116, verse 12 to 14. The psalmist says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? God has been so good to me. What should my response be to be? He says, this is what I'm going to do. Verse, 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 verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In other words, the psalmist says, that God has been so good to me that my only and true response is to serve Him, is to praise Him, and I do so by doing service to Him. As I ruminated on this text, and as I seek to put these thoughts together, a hymn came back to memory from my childhood I read with you, I read for you rather these four lines, these four stanzas. The hymn writer says, O Master, let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy secret, help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. Help me the slow of heart to move by some clear winning word of love. Teach me the wayward feet to stay and guide them in the homeward way. Teach me thy patience still with thee in closer dearer company, in work that keeps faith sweet and strong, and trust that triumphs over wrong, in hope that sends a shining ray far down the future's broadening way, in peace that only thou canst give. With thee, O oh Master, let me live. Today, God's third call comes to someone. You've responded to the first. You've responded to the second. But now God calls you to service. It is our hope that after we end here, you will move over to the, to the gym and, and look at the varied ministries displayed there and, and, and have conversations with the varied ministry leaders and, and see, and we're praying that you will see or discover where God wants you to be fitted in the cause of Christ here. And it may be that there is a ministry idea that God has laid on your heart that is not, 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 not in fruition or not in function here at this church, but we would love to talk with you about it and explore the possibility. Because we believe as a leadership that God has called you not just to attend church, not just to attend worship services, but that God has called you to use you for His glory. And that means... He has called you to service. Today, I want to recommit my life in service to him and his cause.
If that's you, stand with me to your feet today. I want God to use me, my life, my experiences, the resources that he has blessed me with to impact the life of others, to be in ministry here. One of the challenges we have, and it's not unique to us as a church here, is that we have too few people engaged in so many ministries of our church. And one of the downsides or one of the consequences of that is we, we experience burnout with some of our folks extending themselves. There's some folks here at this church, I'm amazed at how much they get done for the cause. Amazed. But, but folks, I want to be clear. It's not that we're just seeking to increase the manpower. What we're seeking to do is provide you with an opportunity to function or to be fitted to where God wants you to be fitted. You see, we have dismissed the culture of, you know, you got to pay your dues and, and you're a Johnny come lady, you got to wait your turn. No, no, no. If God is calling you to serve, we want to help you in the process fitted in this building as we seek to expand the kingdom of God. In prayer, Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, that through him and because of him, you have chosen us. And Lord, we appreciate that with that comes the tremendous responsibility to extend your hand to extend your cause here in this, earth, in this earth. Pray for that person who have not yet responded to that third call, the call to serve, the call to be actively engaged in ministry, the call to be used by you to draw others to your kingdom. Pray that even now your Holy Spirit will speak to that heart. And as they interact, with the very ministries there in the gym, that you will guide them towards where you would have them serve. Lord, it is our desire to make an impact, a significant impact for the kingdom here in the city of plantation. Oh Lord, we know that you have provided us with everything we need. There are men and women here gifted and skilled and you're blessed with resources and experiences. We know, Lord, that if they would just be used by you, we know that we can make a serious impact in the city of plantation for the kingdom. And so even now, Holy Spirit, speak to that heart. Speak to that heart. We pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl who has not yet known the joy of full surrender, that they will take the next step and make that decision to follow Jesus. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. 
If you'd like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.